Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast. My name is Jake Eichert, and I am the Community Groups and Creative Director at Mission City Church, as well as the host of this podcast. Each week, you can find full-length sermons, five-minute sermon breakdowns, and inspiring conversations with guests about discipleship, current events, local outreach, and more. Our mission as a church is to make Jesus known, and we pray that this podcast does just that for you. If it does, please subscribe and share. But for now, please enjoy this episode of the Mission City Church Podcast. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast Thursday edition. I'm joined this week by lead pastor Russell Schultz. Russell, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, Jake. I'm enjoying a, a wonderful cup of coffee that you just brewed me on your on your Chemex. Yeah. I Well, you know, it, I think I'm not going to say it was my best brew ever, but I'm glad that you appreciate it. I think Evan Kennedy, our worship uh, pastor, director, I don't know what we call him, uh, would he'd even like this cup of coffee. Maybe, maybe it's a high standard. You got to meet he there does, too. He uh, does like coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thank you. I'm glad that you are enjoying it. Uh, it's actually a gift from my wife. These beans are, but that's probably. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. That's talking coffee with Jake and Russell. Um, anyway, how is your silence and solitude going? Oh, uh, it's going fine. I would say I this past week was not as disciplined. I didn't hit my four number um i think i was only i think i only did it three times uh and i it wasn't as fruitful like honestly okay like it was good like i intentionally did it but it wasn't i didn't walk away with like 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 i think i said last time i literally had a specific thought that i shared with someone that encouraged them yeah and i still think it's beneficial because i think it slows me down Mm -hmm. but um and maybe that's helpful too. Like, you know, not every time you sit down and are still with the Lord that you're going to get this word from the Lord that he's going to, it's going to rock someone's soul or your own soul. It's just like, but the intentionality of being with God in that way was, it's been helpful. I did have a long drive yesterday. So that was, that was, that was definitely nice. So, and I, I tend to, I might be weird in this, but like, I don't like, this is really weird. I don't always listen to music uh, or even like podcasts when I drive. Like I really like just to be in the car and it'd be silent. Um, like even I, I drive to Atlanta sometimes and there was definitely one time we drove and it was 12 hours of nothing on the radio. It was before I had a baby. Uh, so my wife, Cassidy, she slept most of it and she's like, you know, turn on the radio. I'm like, no, no, I mean, we haven't turned it on yet. Might as well just keep it off. Oh my gosh. How'd you not fall asleep? Five hour energy. Dude, I would be passed out if I didn't have radio or something. I'm the person that's like, I'm turning it up of like three notches every hour that I've driven just to keep myself awake or stimulated in some way. Yeah. Anyway, that's nothing what we're talking about. But yeah, so I've been doing it. What about you? Have you had any more of those? Because you've been in a really good season of contentment. I have. Yeah. Have you had any more kind of a attack, things attacking your contentment? No. I, so I don't know necessarily attacking, but I have felt like, and, and this is just kind of me in general, but just very introspective about what does that say about my personality? Um, am I okay with, like, I, I would consider myself in, in seasons to be a more just melancholy person. Like, we've joked about that. I affectionately been nicknamed Eeyore at different times. Like He's a lovable, he's a lovable animal. Exactly. So, like, and I get it. Uh, I get why I, come, I can come across that way. Uh, however, I think for me, it's, the balance of like am i okay with those seasons is that just part of me or is there something that god's doing in me because i do think that there are also uh if you know me if you are around me enough you also get to see a very like 
passionate, very excited oh, side yeah. of me as well that I think can come across. And maybe even if you're like, if you've only known my voice through this podcast, you probably would be like, that's, that's odd. Like, I don't really see that side of you. Like maybe the, the melancholy side, I'm a little more energetic, just speaking through this microphone, but, um, I can definitely do both, uh, and I can slide back and forth. And so I think for me, it's more so like opening the door of just kind of reflecting on, uh, you know, is one of those better or worse? Has society or culture patterned me or conditioned me to think that one of those is better or worse, that I'm supposed to be one or the other? And then what do what does God say about me? And what does that mean for me as an individual? Like, is it okay that my personality is, you know, can drift back and forth to both? Mm-hmm. And I think part of it too, Russell, is something that we're gonna talk about today. We, on Sunday, we uh, talked about depression uh, a little bit during our Abide Mental Health series. But I think part of it is that through my own experience with depression, um, in some ways, I, not that I'll, I don't want to say this in like a, I wish I could go back to the person I was before I ever experienced depression. It's not that at all. I think that in some ways that has changed me a little bit. And just that like, there's a part of me that's like, I've seen too much, <laughs> you know, or like I've yeah. experienced too much at this point to always just be happy and chipper and uh, jolly, you know, it's ignorance like, is bliss kind of thing. I guess so. Yeah. I think, I think when we're I, for me, I won't say everyone, but I think for me, like high school, like middle school, growing up, like I had a very fortunate childhood, I would say, like, I, I think a lot of things went my way. Uh, I was experienced. I had a lot of friends and all of that. And so like ignorance was bliss. You know, I didn't know that the world could be a harsh place. I didn't know that I could mm. be damaged in a certain way. I didn't know that my, you know, like I hadn't experienced heartbreak before I hadn't experienced those things that, you know, change us. And so I think in some ways I've been a little bit altered just by my own experience as well. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just the way things are. So, yeah. um, yeah. So, uh, that's awesome. I think, uh, that as we go forward today, uh, we're going to touch on a few different things. Uh, we want to touch on um, relationships uh, for those who you maybe if you have someone in your life who maybe experiences depression or maybe experiences uh, mental anxiety, other mental health issues. Uh, you know, we've been talking so far in this series about how if you are experiencing those to how to kind of uh, maybe some tools to combat against that or to to grow um, in, in those things. Today we're going to kind of touch on if you know somebody or if you have a loved one or someone that you interact with and how you can be a safe person for them, uh, how you can begin to really help them or come alongside them, how to love them well. Because I think we both, uh, Russell and I would say that we uh, either ourselves or those that we are close to have experienced good and bad uh, conversations or attempts at support. Uh, in times of uh, like a mental health issue. Um, And so I'll share a few from my life and some ways that we think that you can maybe be just a a good friend uh, or a good uh, spouse or a good brother, sister, good son, daughter, whatever it may, whatever your relationship may be with someone who is experiencing some mental health issues. So uh, that's kind of where we're headed today. But uh, Russell, is there anything else that you want to kind of say as we move forward? I don't think so. Unless I'm forgetting something. Am I forgetting something? I don't think so. I, what is it? Um, do you remember off the top of your head? You shared some statistics on Sunday of like how many people 
And I apologize. I know you, I'm making you search for this now. I didn't give you this was not a pre-show heads up, but no, uh, luckily my notes are left up on my computer. Perfect. Uh, so I think you shared how many, like maybe the estimates of how many people are currently impacted, or maybe through even the pandemic or whatever, have been impacted by some kind of mental health. Some estimates. Do you have that handy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is of September 2020. Uh, an estimated 46.6 million American adults acknowledge they struggle with mental health issues. So that's it's one in five. It's twenty percent. Okay. So chances are that if you're listening to this, uh, you know at least five people. <laughs> and there's a pretty good chance that at least one, if not multiple, people in your life or that you are acquainted to, acquainted with. Yeah. Um, I, that I couldn't. It's fine. It I'm not. Words. I'm not a grammarian over here. Okay. So you do what you got to do. Uh, chances are somebody that you know. Uh, as some kind of mental health um, challenges, something that they're dealing with, something that uh, is affecting them. Yeah. Um, and so we just want to help you be a good friend, be a good safe space for them, and uh, kind of maybe use some of the negative experiences that we've had to address that. So, yeah, that's great. I think, yeah, I mean, a couple other stats. 33%, uh, they say now, have uh, that COVID has had a serious impact on their mental health, so one in three. Uh, 25% of young adults have suicidal thoughts. Uh, pastors say their mental health is 10 times worse than two years ago. And then three in five Americans describe the, that they feel alone. So that's 60% of Americans yeah. would say it sometimes they feel alone. 60%. Yeah. So, and the, one of the things we reiterated was that these are, these aren't just numbers or stats. These are people. So, right. Like even when we talk about, you know, the people, you know, one, there's likely someone near you. It's like, that's a person that's, that's a brother. That's a sister. That's a spouse. That's a, that's a mom, a dad, a friend. Yeah. And not to get like so deep here, but you could also look at that as, you know, 60% of people feeling alone. Most likely 60% of people have other people around them. Like physical, uh, closeness does not necessarily equal not feeling alone you can feel alone in the midst of a crowded room and that's kind of goes into what we want to share today is just having uh being able to be a safe space being able to be a friend having an emotional intelligence to be able to read when someone is struggling with something and to be able to be a good friend for them to care for them um and to to help them not feel like they are alone Hmm. in, in what they're experiencing um, yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll just do this. Let's just jump right in. I've got yeah, my you, first story. Yeah, you go with your stories. Yeah. yeah. First story loaded up here. Uh, so I was once, um, I, I think I kind of maybe hinted at this in the beginning, but uh, I believe what I, this is something I've been told and I think I've experienced it in my own life that once you experience um, depression or anxiety to the level of needing counseling or medication, something like that, there's a decent chance or there is a chance that you may never like actually get rid of it completely um it just kind of made like just be kind of a subtle underlying or you may see it bubble up at different times again in your life like the switch has been turned on in a sense and you can uh you can you can go to counseling you can uh, take medication you can do whatever you know, all the all the right steps to try to uh combat or push against it or or uh to feel better um in a sense but it's always going to possibly be there. Um, and I've experienced that in some degree, like I've experienced my depression come back in different seasons, different stages. And, uh, I was once talking about it with a pastor friend. Um, and, uh, we won't 
use names for this. And if you are listening to this and you catch on that, I may be talking about you. Like just know that I love you. I, I forgive you. It's not uh, me by the way. It's not <laughs> Russell. Um, and just like, it's, it's a, it, we're good. Uh, but anyway, I once had a pastor friend, uh, just tell me like that all basically hinted or I, I, don't, I don't remember exact words that they use, but, um, that all depression is from some form of unaddressed sin. And maybe if you're listening to this, I mean, obviously we're a church podcast. You probably have some experience in church listening to this. Uh, maybe that's been your experience as well, that you've tried to come to a pastor or uh, a religious person that you know that you were trying to seek help with, and they basically came back at you with, well, what's the sin in your life? It's very, very Job-esque, right? So like Job is in this season of his life where he uh, loses everything. He's kind of in a depressive state. He's got he, sackcloth and ashes over his head, and it's just like boils everywhere. Yeah, like and his friends come along, and they're like, "Well, what sin have you done that has caused this?" <laughs> yeah, what'd you do, dude? <laughs> right, and, and and ultimately, like at the end, God just basically says, "You know, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth?" And I'm God, and I basically do what I want. Yeah, God uh, just allowed that to happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and it wasn't because of Job's specific sin. And I say I use that story for two reasons. One, uh, because I think it's a very natural thing for us to want to find the reason why something, like if I can just logically get to the end point or the reason why that this is here, uh, then I can fix it. And I think that that's what probably this person was trying to help me with was just like, hey, like here's a very black and white like endpoint goal for you what's the unaddressed sin where did you go wrong and find that and address it and, and confess it and think this is going to go away hmm. but in the reality of the story is um that's not necessarily true uh sin is not always the like our 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 own issues that we deal with in life are not always because of sin or at least our own sin uh you know it just could be the fracturing of the world that sin has caused by entering into the world whatever you know mm. like we talked about and uh and i i hope that this isn't triggering for anybody um but we've talked about trauma a couple times and like a lot of times trauma is not your fault yeah and, and, and yeah. maybe you're listening to this and you need to hear that like like the trauma the thing that's happened to you is not your fault and it's not your sin that's causing your anxiety or depression or whatever it may be and and you've had someone say you know, what, where's the sin in your life? Where did this go wrong? And, and made you feel like it was your fault. Um, and now I feel like I'm, I'm kind of monologuing, rambling here. Russell, do you want to? Well, know? no, I mean, I think, well, one, just that the, if you've never seen Goodwill Hunting before, uh, it Great is definitely movie. a rated R language movie, sure. by the way. Uh, but there is a beautiful scene in that where the counselor is talking to this, uh, the Matt, da it's Matt, Rob Williams talking to Matt Damon. Yeah. And, Matt Damon had had some issues and was abused as a child, and um, and uh, and he basically just says he's not your fault. He just says it over and over again. It's it's a it's a, it's one of the most powerful moments of the movie. I think about that, um, and that could be that seeing that could trigger something in you. And if you don't need to see that, then don't. But um, I do think so. I do think sin can be a cause of depression in your life. Sure. Like unconfessed sin absolutely can lead you to dark places, giving strongholds to the enemy. Um, I do think like your example of Job. So it, from, from our understanding of Job was not perfect, but he didn't seem to sin to cause the circumstances of his life. And so, you know, death can cause depression, 
like so life circumstances can cause depression yeah uh if you're um you know loss loss uh, it's loss of life is the same thing um loss of a job can cause depression um loss of relationship loss of a relationship yeah all these different things can so there's that option there's also just like the 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 chemistry in your brain where sometimes uh or like uh we always say this is actually from our sending pastor tim howie i said this on sunday too but uh, basically, he tells you if you're in a like dealing with more anxiety, depression, in a dark place, go get a physical, go see a counselor, and spend time with Jesus. And because you're hitting those, you're hitting, you know, you're you're hitting the physical side where do some blood work and see like if a what if what if a level's off, and you know something in your body's producing something too much, and you can take a pill to reduce that, and but it's been causing you to be depressed or give anxiety, um, you know, or, you know, what if there is some deep rooted thing that you need to work through with a counselor? Um, and you know, what if, what if you haven't been spending time with God and we, we know, and we believe that like in his presence is the fullness of joy. And so being with God, being with Jesus will lead us to a place of joy as we spend more time with them. And so it, but also too, if you are, you know, if you are, you know, unrepentant and living in unconfessed sin, like con- confess, like repent and come back to Jesus, start following him and, and start you know, moving forward in a different way. But there's, there's a multitude of things. And so I can see how that could not be helpful. Yeah. Right. And I think that you just hit on it, right? That, that last thing that you said, it's a multitude of things. It's, it's honestly, there's not, but we couldn't sit here for two hours and talk about every single thing that could cause depression or anxiety. I don't think anyone would want to hear that. No, no, (laughs) nobody would. Um, but, but I think that's the point in that if you are uh, to bring it back to someone who is a friend, or if you have, if you know someone, um, it's probably not going to be helpful for them, especially if you aren't some kind of licensed, uh, you know, uh, therapist uh, or counselor or uh, psychologist, whatever. It's probably not going to be helpful for them for you to try to diagnose and give the miracle pill for them to, to get over whatever they're experiencing. Uh, more than likely, the most helpful thing that you can do in that situation is to just listen. Uh, to what it is that they're going through, try to be sympathetic, try to be empathetic in the sense of like putting yourself in their, their shoes. Um, if I were in a place, maybe you've never experienced depression or anxiety yourself. You, you don't know what it could feel like. You don't know what it's like for your brain to actually tell you the wrong thing. Um, and I think it's just important to, to not try to come up with, oh, I've got the, 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 the silver bullet to all mental health issues in this one thing or to over spiritualize it, but just, man, that's, that's, that sounds really difficult. And, uh, and I love you and I'm so sorry that you're going through that. And how can I be praying for you? Cause there is one place that we can go to try to help, uh, and regardless of what our profession or experience or knowledge is. I mean, we can take that to the Lord as, uh, praying for them on their behalf. Um, anything else that you think would be helpful in that, in that conversation, Russell? I, th- I think just asking, I think sometimes in, in, when you, when you talk, when people are sharing with you, it's asking like, what are you, what are you hoping for? Like, what, how would you like for me to respond? So, oh, yeah, that's great. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like sometimes I think, uh, and I, I'm a, uh, I'm a fixer. Like I, I like to problem Same. solve. Yeah. So, and also if you talk about the dynamic between men and women in relationships, uh, oftentimes, uh, I get in trouble with, I mean, Cassie will tell me like, I'm not trying to get you to fix this right now. Yeah. I just want you to listen. And I think that's a, that's a good question to ask when someone's kind of opening up themselves up to you. 
I think I'm very quick to go, well, it could be that, or it could be that, or it could be that, or just do these, let me tweak this and it'll be fine. Right. But asking like, what do what do you want? Like, what are you hoping for? Like, how would you like me to respond? Cause do you want me to just listen? Do you want me to just tell you I'm proud of you and be, tell you that I'm for you? Do you, do you want what I think? Or do you want suggestions? Cause I think those are, I think that's a helpful, that might be a, a better posture, maybe a more humble posture too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I, I, I love that. And I think the humility in that as well of just like, I, I'm not going to try to have the answer for you here unless you want me to try to give my best answer. Um, but even then I can say it in a way that's not like, well, this is absolutely what you need to do. This is law. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but I, I want to be what you need me to be. Um, yeah. You know, whether that's just a, a listening ear, whether that's comforting, whether that, you know, whatever. So I love it. That's, that's fantastic. So, uh, hopefully that's helpful, uh, for you to, in that conversation, maybe initial conversation. Um, let's move on to kind of another thing that I've been told or uh, another experience that I had. Uh, I, I was once kind of on a team, uh, I was in like a teaching a room where we were deciding on a, a sermon series that we were going to do. And, uh, and I, people had known that I had experienced some mental health issues or had been to counseling for depression before. And we were doing a series and, and one of the messages was going to be over depression. And one of the people in the room looked at me and was like, well, you, I think you should take that one. You're, you're the depression guy. And, uh, I was like, <laughs> okay, um, that doesn't feel great. Um, so, so I think maybe the, the takeaway there is, um, it's also not helpful to label people by whatever they may be struggling with. And I think that might sound obvious, but it, it's also not so obvious in the moment. Um, and just taking a second to think about like, how is this going to be heard, uh, as opposed to just like, what am I saying? Um, and that. Am I label? Am I, is what I'm saying going to label my friend or or make their identity attached to uh, whatever they're struggling with? Like I I don't want to see my friends or my loved ones as like the depressed person or the anxious person or whatever. Like like that's not helpful, and it will like actually come out in our conversations. I think with people when we have those labels in our minds. Yeah, yeah. Um, I. Uh... No, I, I got something similar with my family. So my grandfather, my grandpa on my dad's side was, um, he was a bit grumpy. Uh, we all, I mean, we don't, not all grandparents are grumpy, but he was, he was a bit grumpy. And, um, and, and like, I'm very, uh, I'm very, for someone that sees the world, probably black and white with gray in the middle, I come across very black and white in my conversation style and very just nonchalant, just very direct. Um, and, but what my family does sometimes is they, they tell me that like, if, if I get overwhelmed or if I need like moments to myself or like I'm tired of being with everybody, they, they call me grumpy and it like, am I being, am I always, sometimes am I being grumpy in that moment? Yes. But sometimes I'm not, but they, they attach that to me which then makes me grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah. if, if you're the, the, the depressed guy, it's right. like, and you That's get, very depressing. It's one, it's depressing. And then you, it could, it could trigger you. Yeah. You know? And so I think we have to be careful. I think we have to just be careful with our, like our words. People don't, people don't think, I don't, I, I, I don't think people always know how powerful their words are. Mm. Um, even in just, um, you know, if you have a friend that's trying to find a job and you keep asking him every day, like, Hey, did you get a job yet? 
and they haven't. That's just like a sick reminder for them that like for them, it's a sick feeling that like, no, I don't. And then it triggers, why don't they have a job and why they're not good enough? You know, it could be, it could be something, there could be multiple different things. Someone uh, this week reached out to me and asked me about, um, they shared their story. They had some depressive episodes. I think they said they had three of them. And I asked them after they shared it and they were, it was super thankful. They, they had been working through it and really in a healthy spot. Uh, but they, I said, what was not helpful? And they said, well, their parents or their mom, every every day when they were in this depressive state, um, would ask them, are they okay? And same thing, right? Like, hey, are you okay? And if you're in a, an intense season of depression, it's like, no, of course I'm not okay. But that was a reminder to to that person that like, no, like I'm not okay, but I should be okay. And like, it just, it again, it almost like re- um, solidifies or affirms the place that like that they don't want to be. And so, um, anyway, so I think instead of asking people, Hey, are you, are you okay? Just maybe it's like, Hey, can, is there anything I can do for you today? Or, you know, I, I just really care about you and I want you to know that I'm thinking about you today. Like those thoughts I think could be better than, you know, are you okay? Or, you know, putting a name, uh, or identifying someone as the depressed one or the grumpy one or the, the anxious one, like no one, you know, yeah. Nervous Nancy. You don't want to, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I think like it, what I take away from that is also just like, you know, it, it's, it's a common cliche, but like, it's okay to not be okay. And I think what that question is, it, what it creates is an expectation that like, we're just all waiting for you to be okay. Um, mm-hmm. and, or, or like something's off until you're okay. And, um, and I don't know, even know what okay really even means. Uh, cause every day, like you talked about, what is it languishing? Is that the new kind of like wave from the pandemic? That's like, you kind of have that low level crappiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. like, it's like, what is okay? Like, is it, is okay that I am not experiencing anything negative? Like, like we have this, it's, it's kind of this, jacked up non-realistic viewpoint that like I think going back to kind of what I was saying you know like my the happy-go-lucky always smiling always laughing always joyful uh presence is a better presence than someone who's maybe a little more flat in their personality or like melancholy or um kind of what I was saying it's just like is is one side of my personality better than the other uh, and I think our culture has kind of told us that like you're better, like one of those is certainly better. And, mm-hmm. and I don't think that that's fair. And I think that we have kind of internalized that as, well, if I am anxious, if I am depressed, if I am like, like then I'm not okay and the world hates me and I'm not who I'm supposed to be. And like, it, it kind of spirals to this like existential, like nothing's ever going to be okay. And I, I just think that that's a cultural, like, thing that's been put on us that's not fair and it's not realistic like maybe okay for you is just like i'm doing the best i can yeah and, and i'm and i'm getting through today and, and maybe i'm not maybe i'm still feeling sad or i don't feel anything at all that's kind of what my experience with depression was like i i'm just so gray everything mm-hmm. like i don't get excited about anything and it's it's horrifying um but maybe okay it's just like well i felt a little i i had a i had a touch of like looking forward to something today yeah and it's like that's awesome like if you're struggling with depression and you get that like slight sense of like i think i'm actually looking forward to something it's like 
fireworks going off and and that might not feel to the rest of the world like you're okay but like that is like you are you are doing it like you're you're in the mess and you're working through it and and you know what like as a friend if you're sitting with someone who's experiencing that and like everything just feels gray and depressing or anxious to them and uh and you're having that conversation like man just just letting them know that like you love them regardless of hmm. if they're going if they get through it or not you yep. love them regardless of if tomorrow they wake up in a better mood or uh you love them regardless if they get excited about whatever you're doing like um you care for them you're there for them it, it doesn't matter like their mood is not going to dictate your care and love for them yeah and i think culture has kind of taught us that you have to have a certain mood or a certain attitude for to be loved and to be cared for um, yeah it makes me think of um this is a, this is more like on the i guess social or, or uh, just like your character kind of side of things but you know i used to think that being uh extroverted was like better than being introverted I don't know if you ever felt yeah. that way. No, I absolutely feel that way because I'm, I would call myself an introvert. And yeah. And so like that's negative. And I, so what I, what I used to do when I was in college was I used to force myself to be extroverted. And part of it was I was looking for acceptance and looking for, to be, I guess, a part of a group, you know? Um, and, um, but I remember I came back from a summer camp that I worked at and it was like, it's a great, it was a great experience. It's called Lookup Lodge. And, uh, it's in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. But it's it's a it's an intense. It was a intense from a work experience. So it's like ninety. It's about ninety days there, and we had I think that year we had three or four to full days off. So you know, think about that. So a day off a month basically, and then the rest of the time you're working, anywhere between like a fifteen hour day to a. Sometimes it would be a, an eighteen hour day, depending on how early you had to get up. And uh, but I came back. And that whole summer, you're only with people. And I, like, avoided people for um, maybe three months. Like, I just like, I just remember being in my room a lot. And um, and I thought something was wrong. But then I, I think I just realized, like, no, like, I'm just not – I'm not wired to be around people for that extended period of time. Mm-hmm. And it's okay, you know. And yeah. even now, like, as a, you know, as a pastor, um, you know, there's, there's kind of like a – there are pastors that are extroverted and, and it seems like that's how you're always supposed to be, um, you know, flashy in front of people and, you know, the life of the party, super charismatic. Yeah. And it's like, I just like, I'm just not that and not in a, and I, but I'm okay with who I am, you know, like I'm okay with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think we've, uh, I think you kind of wrapped that one up. Uh, let's talk about, I've got one more example here of something that I was told that, wasn't great for me um so i had a loved one uh who uh in the midst of a a really challenging kind of part of the depression that i experienced um just kind of say you know something along the lines of like i I just want the old you back you know it was like that happy-go-lucky you know always excited life of the party kind of person that that we loved uh I I just want that person back because, yeah, you are kind of melancholy and sad and, you know, whatever. And so I I think, again, that just kind of in my mind, the story that that created was like, well, I'm like a lesser version of me now or I'm a worse version or or people only accept me or love me if I'm the way that I was before. 
Um, and yet I look back now and I'm like, that, that experience has changed my life. Um, I, I, like I mentioned in the beginning, like I'm, I don't know that I'll ever just be happy go lucky, you know, smiley, like, like joyful a hundred percent of the time. Like, I don't know that I'll ever kind of be that person again. And I think I'm okay with that. Like most days I'm okay with that. Sometimes I question, sometimes I struggle with that. But, um, if you're someone who knows someone uh, or has a loved one or, you know, somebody close to you is experiencing, uh, depression or anxiety, and you may really, really want them to go back to just being happy and being, you know, the person that you lean on for things. And like, maybe there's a, there's a certain role that they had in your life that they just can't fill anymore because whatever they're struggling with right now, just please, please, please do not tell them that you wish that they were the person that they were before. Um, it's not helpful. It's, it's hurtful more than anything because it, it basically just reinforces the story that they're probably already thinking that they're not loved or cared for in the state that they're currently in. Mm -hmm. And I think just, again, I think we've said this already, but just reinforcing the idea that they are still loved for and cared for and known and accepted in the midst of the struggle and not, for the person that they were or for the expectation that they're going to be better again. I'm not waiting for you to get better. I'm not waiting for you to feel healthy again. I'm not waiting for this to go away. Um, I just love you right now and I care for you right now and I want to be there for you in whatever capacity that looks like. And uh, I don't want to overwhelm you, but what do you need from me? Uh, hmm. I think that's the perspective, I guess, that I would encourage you to have if you're uh, around somebody. Russell, is there any thoughts that come to mind when I say that? It reminds me of uh, when I was in college, I had broken up with somebody or I was broken up with, which is, this is actually one of the best, <laughs> it's actually one of the best breakups. I'm sorry that happened to It's you. okay. <laughs> it's one of the funniest breakup stories. Uh, I, date, I was dating this girl for like a month, I think, or two. And so it wasn't, it wasn't, we weren't serious by any means, but I remember I was sitting on my back porch at my apartment and the person called me, she was crying, which I was like, you're crying. I don't, I don't get why you're crying. You're breaking it with me, but she was crying. And then the, the, this is the, I will never forget this. She goes, uh, God has revealed to me who I'm supposed to marry. And I'm like, well, if you're crying, it's clearly not. And I said, and it's not me again. This is black and white. Russell's been black and white for <laughs> it's clearly not me. It was clearly not me. Uh, and so, and, and, uh, it was just, a, anyway, um, so it was like a Monday night or Wednesday night. Cause I, I, at that time I had only Tuesday, Thursday classes. And so I had five classes on, uh, on that. And I was, I was, I was, I mean, I, I liked, I liked her, but I was, um, but at the same time we weren't like, there was, no, we weren't serious by any means. Had it crossed your mind that you might be the one that she thought? No, she was no, no, no. She okay, said yeah, that, that she, wasn't she, even on your radar. Yeah, she clarified that it wasn't <laughs> after, after I got her to stop crying. Um, and she actually married the guy, which is crazy. So, you know, good, good for them. Um, and I hope they're doing well. Um, but the, uh, but I was really, I was kind of sad the next day. And, um, my, my mom, um, sometimes, uh, would, what I would call gives like some tough loving, if you will. Sure. And so I, I ended up skipping like three or four of my classes that day. Cause I, I was actually driving home to see a, a concert with my dad that night. We're going to see Switchfoot. This is crazy. Uh, but I'm driving home. I'm upset. I'm telling my mom and she basically just goes, uh, we should get over it. <laughs> Thanks mom. <laughs> and honestly, like most of the time, like that probably, I, I remember it was so subtle and like, just, 
you dated for a month just get over it russell what do uh-huh. you and uh and and uh like for for me that for that time that worked and i so i want to say like it's not it's it, it's it's such a tricky dynamic in how we respond with people and i wasn't in like some grave i was not in a dark dark place but i would definitely was i would say i was you know if it was um languishing or i was i was, I was sad i was definitely mourning the loss of that relationship and um uh, there's other times where i've had people that show that tough love where that doesn't work um and so um, and I don't even know how this is connecting back to your original story, so I apologize. Well, I'm I have a growing skepticism that that actually worked for you. Oh, like, okay. Did you just did you just or did you just like push it down and forget about it? Oh, <laughs> that might be too deep for this. We might need to. That might be an off-air conversation. But, uh... <laughs> Maybe. Uh... <laughs> well, I think did I push it down? I think I was sad the rest of the drive home, and I was mad at my mom for that hour. Okay. All right. And then I think I went home and just kind of hung out in my house for until we went to the concert that night. But I, I do remember feeling like a sense of like, no, I think she's right because just, but based off of the length of the relationship and, um, and just like the, I think that she was wise and that like, this should not, like, this doesn't need to, this doesn't have to crush you. I think I just believed it. So did I push some of those feelings down? Maybe. I don't think, no, I don't think I'm like, I don't, I don't, cause I clearly have never dealt with them since then. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so I, this might be too, uh, far for, but I think when I hear you say that, what comes to mind is like, uh, you may, it may have, it may have not made sense in the moment to feel as hurt as you were because it was just, you know, a short relationship, but you still felt that way. Um, yeah. and so like, I think I guess my question or what I wonder would be like if you had a friend say say it's not your mom you know say it's just like a friend that uh, isn't blood related to you isn't like someone that you have to that you're necessarily going to talk to again yeah um, and they said something like that to you would you be more or less likely to go back to them the oh. next time you had a breakup situation like to me i'd be like well i'm not sharing this with you anymore like you just tell me to get over it <laughs> yeah no no i mean it could this also could be that my mom has enough relational equity where she can say that to me sure and it lasts you know yeah that's probably that's probably reasonable i i, I will say like the timing of it was it felt a little fast like for it for it i mean the next day you know yeah. but i've had a I, I this might just be how i'm wired I occasionally need someone to like wake me up. Sure. You know, okay. so, uh, and this, this might, and so, and it doesn't work on everybody. Like, so I would call it tough love, if you will, in some ways. Yeah. Um, but like every now and then, how I'm worked, I can get so, I can just get stuck personally. Hmm. And I sometimes, and now <laughs> being stuck for a night's sleep and, one class in the morning and then getting that maybe not right but (laughs) but i have had other seasons in my life where it's like i've had friends that have pulled me aside and have gone not give me the pep talk but be like you gotta fight a little bit Mm. and again but these are people that that were walking in my life for a long period of time yeah it wasn't just like you know i'm sharing with someone i don't know very well sure um like they had equity too and I trusted them. So, but I, I, but I do need a, an awakening because 
it just could be the how I'm wired where I can just get in cruise control or I can just almost get so far, almost like too far removed from reality. Like I'm just like two levels below, like I'm living, but I'm, it's like, I don't like you're talking about you feeling numb. Like you almost feel numb Yeah, and you just don't, you're just kind of like I'm living, it's fine, but there's no life. Mm. And so I just need that like wake up kind mm. of challenge. Okay. So yeah. cool. Well, we're a uh, we're a pro Mama Schultz podcast. So not oh not she listens any, too. She listens. not any shots taken to her. Did not mean that. Oh no, but, I... uh, it's interesting that that your experience and just like I think uh, like that was a positive like that was a positive yes positive experience story, right. for me and my mom for that yeah right which is interesting because I think for a lot of people get over it's probably not a positive. She might have said it differently, uh, but she, I mean, but my mom, my mom was is was is very direct too. It's probably where I get a little bit of my yeah black and white from. So sure, sure. Uh, well, it's interesting. So I think I think you make a good point with the relational equity of it. Like if you have a really close friend, and and maybe that's that goes back to like, what do you need right now? Like, do you need somebody to to, to kind of help shake you out of this? Like, and not to just like you know rub some dirt on it and move on because that's not really how that. You know, we well, still works, want you to but, deal and walk through. Yeah. Like address you know the inner person. We don't want you to push things down, but but you might need to be jostled. Mm-hmm. I love that word jostled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think yeah, it goes back to like, what do you need in this situation? You know, do you need somebody to? And maybe it's difficult and in, in when you're when you are on the receiving end of that to be like, well, I think I just need you to give me a wake up call, give me some tough love. Like I'm not sure anybody asks for tough love. I don't think anyone ever wants tough love. Yeah. Um, and I, and I don't think tough love is all is always right for everybody else. So I want I want you know some people, um, like I would say, uh, my wife Casty would uh, adamantly disagree if I give her if I gave her tough love that that's what she needs. Mm-hmm. Like there's a there's a, she would she would say like no like that I'm wired differently. I I would I need to be awoken if you will if if she ever is in this place in a different way. Um, and I think it's, I mean, I think that shows the diversity of humanity. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's good. So, okay, let's, let's kind of bring this to a close. Here. Let's lay, let's lay uh, the plane. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's, I think hopefully you've gotten out of this, you know, there's a diversity of things that can cause uh, anxiety, depression. It's not a one size fits all. We don't all have the answers to everything. Listen, try to have some sympathy, humility uh, when you approach that. Ask them. Uh, it's great, great uh, contribution from you, Russell. Ask them what what they need or what they think that they need right now. Um, not giving them a label uh, as far as you know this. You are the the depressed or the anxious or whatever. Uh, letting them know that they're okay, um, that you love them and care about them regardless of who they've been or who you hope they become but just in the midst of their struggle and and then you know figuring out uh how to approach the conversation whether it's you know we do have relational equity and i can give you a little push a little nudge when i think you need it or uh look i think what's best is just that i'm i'm here and i'm present and and i listen um and and, and, I'm, and i'm okay with who you are and i'm okay with who you are exactly and it doesn't yeah. need i don't need you to go back to an older version or to race forward to a healing new version of you like no i just i just love you yeah and also i mean as human beings we change right so mm. you know ecclesiastes talks about if we're looking like the i think nlt says like if you're looking for the good old days and so sometimes we have we can look retrospectively at people to kind of come back to your the the story of the loved one that shared with you like I miss the old Jake uh-huh. 
it's like, well, the old Jake is the, that's the old Jake. Like the, the Jake I am today is, is Jake. Right. And he's the collection of his experiences, his, uh, new work and transformation that has happened in his life too. Uh-huh. And so, but like to, to want or to long for those, it's like, sure. It's, it's, it's great to look back with fond memories on things of the past, but like, if you get stuck there, like then Jake will never become the Jake that he needs to be. Hmm. Might be the best thing that we've said this whole podcast. Holy Spirit, that's all I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, who you are today is who you are. Uh, yeah, and it's not an older version to long for, a, a version to come for. But you know, God loves you. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. and I think of not a, a, a football analogy. Matt Nagy, the the former uh, NFL coach at the Chicago Bears, not the best coach, but uh, but he has on his on his noteboard it says "Be you." Like, yeah. be you. There's a part of it's like be you, and if you're in a if you're in a bad place. Like, be you, acknowledge it, live there, like almost not, not, not like embrace it. Like I'm going to stay here forever, but embrace, embrace where you're at today. Yep. All right. Thank you so much, Russell, for being on. Thank you for sharing all your insight. We love you all that are listening. Thank you so much for uh, joining us for this episode. And we'll see you back here next Thursday for another episode of the Mission City Church podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mission City Church podcast. Mission City Church is a non-denominational church in Mission, Kansas. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at Cinemark 20 off of Johnson Drive and I-35. We also have three community groups that meet every other Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like more information, please visit our website at missioncitykc.com or you can email me at jake at missioncitykc.com.